Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Still recovering from a couple busy weeks here with racing and so forth. Um, yeah, it does feel like everything is sort of back to back to our old hectic schedule we're finally at the point where i feel like a few months ago it was okay the schedule is getting populated uh but it's still kind of manageable and now we're getting into the minor arguments where it's like oh could i do this thing this weekend and i no i have this thing this weekend we're gonna be here this weekend definitely the gear bags are getting sort of like never go away they just get shuffled yeah, between exactly yeah. exactly. Yeah. but it's good seeing lots of people dw is finally getting to see people so slowly his training is improving we think kind of yeah. it felt like it was i'm not sure yeah we're working he might have just got tired yeah for sure he did Anyway, this week's episode, I think it's a good one because we're starting to get to the end of season for some people here. Uh, you know, we still have a few more weeks of racing left, but I think actually in the past, like the last few weeks of racing, this question, these questions become even more relevant. Uh, maybe the distance one is a bit more towards thinking next season, but I think the category one, you do tend to have a lot of people with this like mid-season, end of season, like wanting to shift up or down for the last part of the season kind of thing. So um, the question today is, uh, should I change category or should I change distance? Um, so do you want to start with category maybe? So this we're talking about upgrading or downgrading. Yeah, so it's the classic would be a road person who's going to go from cat five to cat four or cat, you know, they're going to cat up sometimes people say. And so it's usually, you know, there's a some sort of point scheme that determines this or you have to win to upgrade. There's some sort of rules within the, the game that you're playing within the league you're in or the, the, you know, the sport you're in. So sometimes it, it's sort of decided for you, but other times it's sort of like maybe optional or you can apply early or something like that. So I think that's when some of these questions come up. And some of this can be extremely nebulous, especially in the smaller categories. I'll say, I, I know this is a big issue, uh, in women's in women's cycling for sure um just because i guess categories it's more cycling oriented running is very much just everyone is just either your age group or your overall and that's just it there's no like pro category really uh unless you're in super pro category i guess mm -hmm. uh so we're mainly talking about cycling with this um i've just noticed this has always been an issue for for me in women's fields um i got upgraded way too fast because there weren't that many women so you know, you'd be racing in these fields of three or four women. And if you're winning or you're getting second in that, uh, technically you're gaining all these points, but you know, you're only racing against a couple of people. Sure. So sure. it's definitely trickier, the smaller the fields are. And I guess you could maybe apply this to, you know, you've been doing the local weekly race or the local race, and then you want to go do a regional state provincial type race. And then you want to go do a national whatever race, right? And maybe with gravel, again, it would be local versus in your country, but like maybe another part of your country or a bigger one. And then maybe you're going abroad, right? So it's sort of, I, I look at this categories as also going to bigger races, more, sure. more competitive races. Mm -hmm. So I think this is actually a super interesting thing. And I can kind of speak, I guess, personally from this with my, my cyclocross background, I, I really think about this one a lot. Uh, the first question that I always ask when it comes to upgrading or downgrading, I guess, 
uh, is the question of what are you afraid of? And I'll say I upgraded into the elite field in cyclocross probably a few races before I should have uh, because I had won enough races that I had the requisite points and I was doing well. But honestly, it was really stressful to race at the front. And I think I had this weird thing where if I got into the elite field, all I needed to do in the elite field was finish the race. Like that was winning. Uh, there was no expectation that I would be like crushing the elite cyclocross field. Mm -hmm. I was not that good. Right. Uh, so I think what I was afraid of was like losing in the lower category or like not doing well in the lower category, whereas it actually felt safer to upgrade and have less pressure to perform because no one would expect me to win. Yeah. And I had the opposite, I guess, recently I just downgraded from elite uh, mountain bike racing for the XCO for national level races, uh, down to age group or masters, uh, which was a tough decision. Like there's a lot of ego wrapped up in that, right. And identity and, you know, people are excited that you're racing. And as you say, finishing the elite race, oh, you're, you know, oh, that's pretty impressive that you rode around that course and didn't fall over and, you know, whatever, right. I'm getting older. So it's impressive. Oh, okay. Wow. You're like not completely embarrassing yourself. And I was just, it wasn't really motivating. I found coming out of the pandemic, it was hard to motivate training because the goal wasn't hard, right? So when we look at that, I always talk about our inverted view of arousal. Everyone giggles when we say arousal, <laughs> but it just really wasn't that challenging. Like I could get off the couch and probably do that race. Okay. Uh, I, that's not maybe off the couch is overselling it, but you know, I could do pretty well just based on experience, right? I've done that thing a lot of times. The goal isn't really that challenging. Um, so, but then going, as you say, the reverse of what you said, to go down to masters where they're still competitive, you know, there's a couple other guys who go down just for the national level races from, you know, provincial, you know, regional elite and who have raced elite and train really hard. And so I, it wasn't a sure thing that I was going to win, but then that's like sort of embarrassing if I didn't win. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah, I didn't. Um, so yeah. So anyhow, it was like way more motivated and instantly that motivated, you know, three or four months of decent training. I wouldn't say I trained as well as I wanted, but better training. Yeah. So I think, you know, when I say, what are you afraid of? I think just thinking about that and kind of leaning into it and then honestly thinking about, okay, which one, which one does scare you a little more? And that's probably actually the better choice. Uh, even if it doesn't seem like the obvious one, sure. I, I think like at first, at first glance, obviously upgrading into elite seems scarier, right? Like that's, that's kind of the naturally scary thing is mm -hmm. you staying in elite or me upgrading to elite elite naturally would be the scary thing. Uh, but I actually don't think it is for a lot of people. And this is, this is tricky, right? Cause we don't know. I, I always say, who are you and what are you trying to do? Right. Cause that's, if you're a 16 year old kid and you're upgrading to whatever the next, you know, to the expert or the cat two or the pro or whatever it is, it's a sort of different question than, you know, I'm a 50 year old person who's been doing gravel races and I want to go from 50 miler to a hundred miler or what else would it be? I guess from X you know, sport okay, to expert. Yeah. Leave distance out of this. We're getting to that. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's tricky. I, well, the way I look at it in, in Ontario, some other places find speed weird with off-road, but you can sort of look at your speed sometimes and just compare it. You know, if the courses are similar or the same, certainly if they're the same and you know, the course didn't change over the day, there wasn't some effect like that. You can sort of get an idea if you're going to be even competitive. Like, do you have the speed first? We want to have the speed and then you can build endurance. But a lot of times there's this thing that, Oh, I want to go to the longer race because it, you know, it's an endurance thing but a lot of times it's actually the same speed but yes it, it goes longer there is endurance but it's the same speed it's not that you get to slow down if you slow down you're going to be at the back of the pack and i think that's what we're trying to avoid by up 
grading is less racing, right? You should be racing in the category you're in. And this sort of comes into our race if you're going to race concept that like all we're all trying to do is find our winning, find our race in the race. So if I race in an elite race and I'm racing for 10th, that it's an okay race for sure. Like I'm still like, you know, it could be 14th, it could be 9th. Uh, but then if I go to master, it's a better race. I can actually race for the win, which is for me more motivating, right? But I think what we want to avoid is going to the elite category, say, or to the 100 miler and just riding alone the whole day. Yeah, exactly. Versus if you were in the 40 miler or the 50 miler or the 10K run versus the half marathon run. Sorry, I'm going to distance. Blending again. distance here. Um, but you see what I'm saying? Even with the distances, that's sort of the thing is if you, if you have to slow down a lot to go to the higher one and you're going to be riding alone, it's going to be a really big thing to finish it. You, It may be better to stay in that, you know, lower level of racing so that you can have a good race and feel, you know, competent and feel uh, like you're riding with people and learning to race. Right. I think that's the thing. And not everyone, this is what are you trying to do if you're not trying to win, then I, you know, it, it's tough. It's a bit more of a discretionary thing and. And I think that rhetoric of lower level is actually problematic. I'm going to call you on that. Appropriate levels? Appro I apologize. Appropriate. I don't I mean, know. I just downgraded. I, even, I can say whatever I want. I don't even think it's appropriate <laughs> levels. I think it's just like there are different levels in racing. Right. And, and you I, know, you know, the other thing that I looked at, and this maybe doesn't apply to everyone, but the people that you're in that category, you know, these uh, Barry, the, who has owned the team that I raced for, uh, who's become a good friend over the years. And, and he said, you know, you're not 20. You're just not 20 anymore. Well, and, and you have full-time work. Yeah, and, like and I got to chase a little dog around yeah. and pick up. So that's it, right? And I wasn't able to train as much as I wanted. So I, I do think, you know, maybe this, are we, am I jumping ahead on your list here too? Uh, we no, we had fine. a plan. Uh, but this idea of for me to compete like I wanted in Elite required X number of hours. And I was getting super frustrated because there just weren't those many hours left in the day anymore. And I, I honestly, my motivation to do it isn't there anymore. There's lots of other cool stuff. Like I just want to go for a walk. You know, if I had to go for a three hour ride versus a 90 minutes, plus we go walk for night, I'd rather go walk. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. And this is where we get into really that like goal alignment. There's a better word for that. Isn't there like something like that, but the alignment of the goals with how you want to spend your days, you know, now versus next or today, tomorrow versus you know, the two years goal, the long-term goal, the seasonal goal. Yeah. And I want to get into that when we talk about distance too, for sure. Okay. Um, I think that, yeah, that's one of the questions for distance. And I think it's a question for category two is like, what does train, like what does training now look like? And what does training for that category or that distance look like? Uh, and it's more obvious when you get into distance. Um, but I think category for sure, like if you're racing in the pro category, what are the top people doing? Like they're probably, you know, some of them are working 40 hour work weeks for sure. Um, but a lot of them aren't, and a lot of them are spending a lot of time on bike or on on foot. And, and sometimes that's challenging, I guess, to people, right? Like, there's lots of people that compete. You know, I'm trying to think of someone who did really well this year in our nationals. But you know, there's lots of you know, I got beat at the stage race on the last day by a man that you know works full time and has two kids uh, and is just a great, experienced bike rider, right? And he, he rides a fair bit and stays active, but you know, probably trains less than I do. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess you know that's cool, but there's you know on the flip side we all got beat at masters nationals by you know a, a ryan atkins right like he's was on here he is a professional world champion obstacle course racer who came and raced mountain bikes and beat and us grew up racing mountain bikes with you to be clear 
for sure and it, very good and like i'm not i thought it was great because there was a good race right like now we're you know we're pretty close so we're all pretty jazzed because it's like oh we almost got this world champion guy uh who trains all the time right and it's interesting right i think it's that's the con you know it's no different than a teacher taking you know uh, apology to teachers who work all year but you know who take the summer off this might have been my experience with the teachers i work with they get fitter you know towards the end of july sure. and august because they've been training you know in some cases they train a lot like full time they go mm. full on in july and you know late june and into august yeah that's what i see with a lot of my friends too uh so i actually want to talk about the the really good question we've had the oh, it's not myth of stress anymore the stress cycle is that the name of the book the andrew bernstein book yeah i don't know you, can, you said two titles and now i'm confused i think you're right breaking the stress cycle okay there we go great uh, book yeah really good book uh we've had him on the podcast talking about this uh he always has this thing of like in this case it'd be why should you upgrade and kind of write that out and then ask why shouldn't you upgrade or downgrade at whatever this, it is. And then it's like at, at this, this time. time. So don't close the door. You can do it. And, and I've done this with a few clients and it's exactly, you know, these small categories coming back where it's like, well, of course you're winning. There's two people. Uh, but we want to really look at when you upgrade or why are you going to upgrade or is there a reason you should not upgrade right now uh, at this time? Uh, you know, again, are you having a better race? Are you learning? You know, is it challenging? Is it scary still? Is there something to accomplish where you are before you rush ahead? Mm -hmm. And I think asking what difference would it make if you did upgrade? Because I think a lot of people, you see the points and I had this exact same thing. Like you see the points, you see that you could upgrade and it's kind of the automatic desire to upgrade, especially if people around you are upgrading. And that's certainly what happened with me in cyclocross. And this is obviously a decade ago, I realized, but look, I haven't been racing in like these categories for a while. This is all I've got. Um, yeah, like what difference does it make? And a lot of the time, I think there is just an element of FOMO that's happening when we want to do the upgrade, but it doesn't necessarily actually make sense for us mm -hmm. at this time. Right, right. Uh, and then my, my final question for category uh, is my, my personal favorite question lately is just what if, what if you didn't or what if we didn't? What if it didn't happen? Uh, what if you didn't upgrade um, or, down, or downgrade? Like what can you do in the place that you are, especially... Honestly, I think mid-season. I think this is especially an interesting point because I think if you do want to upgrade or downgrade, I'm kind of in favor of just seeing a season out unless it's a mandatory upgrade, like where you've just been... Oh, it's out of your hands. Yeah, then. you don't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you have the choice, honestly, I think just see the season out. Do what you can in the category you're in um, and see where it leaves you at the end of the season. And then you can kind of reassess and reevaluate and even maybe shift your training plan so that next year you actually are ready for that upgrade. Yeah. And go up another level for sure. Yeah. And this is, you know, again, I don't know that the elite transformation applies to everyone. It's probably more in this distance, right? I'm going to go from 50 miles to a hundred miles, uh, is probably for lot. but I do have a lot of clients that go from, I don't know the cat version. This would be, but say cat three to cat two, or we call it sport to expert in mm -hmm. mountain biking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's touch on distance then now that we're kind of shifting into that. Sure. The first big question I have with distance, and we've talked about um, goal inflation over on the website. Maybe we can link to that in the show notes. Uh, just this idea of, uh, you know, you hit one mileage point in, in gravel right now. It's sort of you hit 100K and then you want to do 100 miles. And then, well, 100 miles isn't anything. You got to do 200 miles. And even that, like 200 miles is starting to be like, a little low. Yeah, 700K is the minimum. Like I'm getting, yeah. I got so angry uh, around the holidays because I was signed up for my first hundred miler, which was already some serious goal inflation that happened to get to that point over a year, like a lot of years. 
Uh, this is not like a, I didn't do anything really dumb with that. I made reasonable progress. But anyway, uh, there's a reason I'm not racing any hundreds right this second. But point being, so I'm signed up for this hundred miler. It's a few weeks away and I'm flipping through trail running magazine or trail runner magazine. And there's literally an article that just, is 200 the new 100. And I was just like, damn it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, no matter what, first of all, no matter what you do, someone is going to go longer. Like always, I think let's just, let's just put that out. You're Every never single gonna day. Go longest. And they're going like, to take your Strava today as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think the first big question is just why do you want to go to this longer distance? And maybe it is because there's this super cool race that you really want to go do. That's a little longer. And you know, that's, that's your pretty valid reason. But if it's just because, well, you know, my friends are doing these longer distances or, you know, I feel like because I've done this 100K, now I need to do 100 miles. That's the next natural progression. I'm a huge fan of just kind of pausing on that and saying like, okay, but did I do everything in the 100K that I wanted to do? Right. Right. Because I think we get into this weird thing of like distance is the only metric uh, instead of like, no, actually, like I think I said this on the podcast. I've definitely said it like chatting with people, I think running a 5K is harder than a 100 miler. Like I would 100% sign up for another 100 miler in six months versus if you told me like, if you told me, Molly, in six months, you have to pick between signing up for a 5K where you're going to, you're going to go for it Mm -hmm. or signing up for a 100 miler where you're going to go for it. I would take the 100 miler any freaking day of the week because that's so much easier to me. Sure. The, this strikes me too that there's a bit of, Especially for this age grouper and masters, as we, you know, I guess I am, you can be elite. Um, thank you, thank you. You know, so we're we're really looking long term now, and and there can be performance. There can be, you know, you call these the because I can sort of goals. You know, in the next two years, we're not getting any younger, so there are some of these, you know, bucket list type races. You know, I'm going to do the Leadville 100 miler at altitude, bucket list race. You know, I'm going to do a good job, and I'm going to have to ride a bunch to do that. Say, but. I think beyond that, we do want to sort of start thinking long term too. Of you know, what am I? What are the values? We had Josie Perry on talking about values, uh, great sports psychologist, and we we want to be thinking, you know, is this how I want to be spending my days? Or or I mentioned walking, right? Like day to day, do I want to be walking, or do I want to have to train, you know, on average three hours a day, right? Eighteen hours a week. Yeah, and that's actually the next question I had is what has to change in your training or your lifestyle to make this distance goal happen? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's not like these magically happen, right? Like, and I know you've seen that you see this all the time where people have signed up for like Leadville and then a month before are you know emailing you for plans or consults and just haven't really changed anything about their training. Right. They're yeah. Just gonna... And that's uh, can I prepare for the goal that I've set and do you want to? Or mm-hmm. I think the title makes more sense than the, there's confused pronouns in that, but. Uh, yeah, that's the, the, all the time, right? Like I'm going to stay in a flat city and ride on my road bike or on my trainer and I'm never going to ride on gravel uphill, uh, you know, to do this race. And I don't really enjoy that type of training anyhow, but, you know, it's a bucket list race. And it's like, well, I mean, you could probably pick something, you know, a crit race or something that aligns more with, you know, you want to go to the crit race every week. You like the community. You have a community. It's easy from home. You're only away from home for, you know, three hours total on a Wednesday night. Uh, whatever and then the actual race is maybe at a fun place crits are really fun there's a brewery usually and tons of fans i get it but just do that <laughs> you don't have to do you know you don't have to do leadville yeah so i think 
just remembering that, yeah, like the longer distance doesn't necessarily align with how most of us would actually prefer to spend their time, our time. And it, it might too, right? But I think you want to make sure that that's what you want. And, and, and because we're not trying to be a lead or make a living or make the newspaper, again, I think we should feel fine about doing the 50 or the 100 miler version of a 200 miler. Uh, I guess I'm, we're, we're sort of talking around unbound here in some ways. Uh, but that's, you know, I had clients do the 100 and it was great. They were done. They could watch the finish. They had a beer while they were watching the pros finish. They got to talk to pros, take pictures with pros. Uh, you know, they weren't knackered. They could drive home the next day, you know, good shape for Monday back at work. I don't know. Yeah. And I it's think pretty good. there also ends up being a pretty big difference between the, we, you know, just talk about race. If you're going to race, there's a pretty big difference between racing and finishing. And I mean, we do say you have to complete before you can compete. So to some extent, you do need to like get through the distance the first time. Um, but I do think a lot of the time we, we choose to go to the longer distances almost for the exact same reason I was talking about. What are you afraid of with the categories? We go to the longer distance because the expectation is less, right? Like people don't ask me if I won the hundred miler. I did. Um, but pe like people are just like, Oh, you did a hundred mile run. Like that's the thing. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and like, I think that's why a lot of people opt to do it because then, you know, you did the 200 mile, you did the 350 mile, um, which is fine, but do, do you want to race? <laughs> like, so I think that's why I've kind of shifted down in my mileage just because I actually wanted to race an 80 K like, and race it, race it, not just race it to finish it. So we've listed a bunch of articles. I just had another one go out in Canadian cycling magazine sort of towards the keeping up with the Joneses. And this is sort of this goal inflation is sort of the same words in different words. Uh, but, but that was it, right? It was this idea that we have to keep doing a bit more and doing a bit more and doing a bit more. Um, it's, it's tricky, right? But then I, I wonder too, you know, for some people that is what they want to do. And I think that's okay as well. If you're like, a long, you know, endurance person and that's how you get your kicks, then that's, that's good as well. Like clearly that is, that is what we do. But I guess my do. point with that article, I was sort of rambling there a little bit, but the, uh, my point is that it used to be that a hundred miles, you know, you said there was right. a, a one that said, is this the new hundred miles? And I, I just wonder why, you know, when I started riding in, in the article, I tell the story, I started riding. I, it seemed like even the pros, like even the doping pros were doing, you know, like a century, 160 kilometers, 100 miles. That was a big ride. And then now it seems like if you don't ride 200 Ks in your training, like, oh, you know, it's, and, what are you I, doing? it's a little tongue in cheek, but that's the way uh, maybe social media has, has portrayed it. Right. And we all have a friend who's always riding 200 Ks. It just seems odd. And now we're on like a gravel bike with, you know, these big drop bars and bags and it's true. Yeah. The, the century for the pros used to be like three and a half yeah, hours on super light road bikes. And you just put one bar in your pocket and a bottle and away you go. <laughs> it's definitely a power bar. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's the same one every time, but the yeah I, I just I, I don't know it, it strikes me that there's we just want to be a little careful with that but all that to say it is okay to build up and so we say you know maybe in the two-year five-year time span if your goal is to do something like an unbound a 200 mile or a 100 mile a big bucket with list you know a stage race whatever just put that on that longer term thing and, and step your way towards that uh mm -hmm. you know because that, that gives you a nice set up for hopefully training that you enjoy and r other races that you enjoy other trips you can take uh, that are going to spiral out from that one event day right and I think that's really the heart of this thing is like are you enjoying it 
Yeah. And I do think, you know, it's also totally okay to stay at the distance you're at or downgrade your distance, right? Like for a lot I'll of people, you, four laps was a lot better than six. For a lot of people <laughs> training for a 5k, you can train so freaking hard and get so freaking fit training for a really solid 5k in so much less time, like with so much less stress well, on family work, etc. Like you can still put a ton of effort. You could put all the time in the world into getting probably really do good the same 5K. time. Yeah. That's the weird thing, right? The 5k runners still train a fair bit. Sure. But if you, if you're a normal person working a 40 hour week and you have kids and you know, family life and all of that stuff, uh, you know, to me training for a really fast 5k is so much not even easier it's it's really freaking hard but you can do it in a shorter time block like that's the time crunched athlete like that i would love to see i think too many people try to cram in like 100 milers on you know six hour training weeks Mm -hmm. and it's like well could you do really well in a shorter distance and i know not everyone likes a short distance i just said i don't so well, and let's, I mean, what are we going to call short, like in running terms, you know, under a half marathon, maybe, and maybe mountain biking, like under three hours or yeah. something, you know, maybe something like that. I, I don't know. I think you're, those are distances that you can, again, you can go to work on Monday. It doesn't, you know, there's lots of them around. Mm-hmm. It's easier to train. I think it, again, when we're thinking about those values and those long-term objectives that we all have for health, I do wonder, you know, now that is there more slack where we can do things like strength training and walking and you know, you know, whatever, sleeping, you know, some of these things where I, this is what I mean by values. I didn't really finish that thought, but if our values are to be healthy at 80 or, or these things, I just, sometimes it's, you know, we have to choose and it's not that long distance cycling is, is wrong, but it's when we're trying to do that, you know, maybe while we're also trying to go hard on work and family, you know, trying to get kids raised and this sort of stuff that I think, I think that is where there's a good argument that something like a 5k, it's like, you could really make an argument for lots of strength training, uh, you know, once or twice a week, some good intervals or track intervals, maybe go do a track program. There's some great ones around for that. Uh, and then, yeah, a couple long, easy, breezy runs on the weekend with friends or something. Right. And it's like, I don't know, that sounds like a good mix of training and I yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it comes back to that. You know, I've been seeing a lot of stuff talking about lifestyle design lately, where instead of necessarily thinking about the like long-term goal or like these bucket list things or like kind of pie in the sky goals of I want to run the, you know, Tahoe, like 250 mile trail or whatever. Uh, you think more about like, what do I want every day to look like? Like, what do I want sort of the average day to look like? And then sort of build out the goals from that. So if you do want to spend time, you know, walking, walking the dog or with the family or whatever, uh, you know, maybe, maybe training for the 200 mile running race is not really in line with, with that goal. If you also want to, you know, excel at work and, you know, have a beautiful house and like all of this other stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And you can shift that maybe in period. We've talked a bit about that too, right? Where it's might maybe give that up for the, the hustle period for the 200 miles. Right. Yeah. So, it, so it is possible, but yeah, it's definitely planning it out right and not making it less to do a, a only a hundred mile yeah. gravel race or yeah, exactly. a, a, only a hundred mile mountain bike race yeah it's funny i've actually been thinking about that a lot lately as we're sort of talking about our winter plans already even though it's august uh, hashtag cross is coming uh but uh, you know we're talking about being away from the winter and we just got this new van and you know we're talking about how we're gonna balance if we're living out of the van you know we can't leave dw sitting in it alone so i'm, I'm now thinking about we usually train at the same time and i'm like well, maybe i should get a baby jogger for dw so i don't have to like lose my my long run time and i'm like well what if we just stagger it slightly and i you know don't do epically long runs every day and then we maybe you know throw him in the pack and like finish with like 
uh, you know, ride together or like walking him to get like together. And that's probably not optimal training for, you know, a hundred miler or whatever, but that probably would be a lot easier than keeping a baby jogger for my dog in the car. Sounds first world problems. Extreme first world problems. A little bit. Uh, I'm wondering if I have any other thoughts on upgrading and downgrading. You know, I'm on a couple committees that help, you know, younger when the, the younger athletes, you know, when they need to upgrade or choose to upgrade or want to upgrade. And it's always that, I think that's where I come back to is, you know, are they racing? Like, are they getting developmental experience racing? Right. And it's, it, you're right. It, it's tricky when the categories are small, right? It's like two people. It really depends who the other person is, right? They're, mm. you know, they're either often they're either way slower than you or way faster than you. I found that when I was racing women's track, there were like five of us that would show up every week and we didn't even have to race to know exactly how it was going to stack out every week. Mm-hmm. So I, I think my only point on that is, you know, you probably, I like to see someone winning and I like to see it being obvious. I always say like, if you think you need to upgrade, it should be pretty obvious or they should force you. And then it's not your decision. Like that's the rules of the game. That's, that's my preference, uh, you know, versus getting seventh. Like that's a bit out of my autobiography, but I was, a, I was getting like seventh and then I got upgraded. And I just always think that, it was too soon and that's i'm not great at winning like i'm good at getting second really mm-hmm. good <laughs> really really good right and it's that last like just you know when you're and i think you know i don't know if you have to be younger but i think you need to have an, enough in your system you know again a shorter race or a little less competitive race where you can play around with different tactics and and figure out okay yeah if i attack on this climb even though i'm hurting they're really hurting and then I get them, right? And again, that might not apply to everyone, but when I'm thinking about these upgrades, that's often like, are you in a pack? Like, are you drafting? Like drafting's, even if you're not that competitive, like drafting's a good thing. You know, the technical skills are a thing, the feeding, the, you know, these are a lot of things that you have to learn over time. The winning is actually huge. And I had this, we'll say problem when I was in road cycling. So we're going back even further than cyclocross here. But I remember the problem was they'd race the women all together. Uh, so all of the categories were together. And I know this happens a lot. You, know, you have mixed categories where you have like five categories on course right now in a lot of the like mountain biking and cyclocross disciplines. The problem was I would finish in the lead pack, which was all like the, like it was collegiate. So it was A and B and C. So I was B and I was like racing up with the A's. So I'd finish and I was the top B rider, but I sucked. Like I sucked in sprints. Like I could just stay in a pack fine. So when I ended up getting like the mandatory upgrade, it actually kind of screwed me because I still have no idea how to win a road race, which really is the one reason that I am not good at road racing, forgetting the fact that I am terrible at cornering. But when you upgraded, you didn't just stay in the same group? I did. Oh. I was just now like 10th instead of first. Oh. But I was finishing exactly the same, and I never learned how to like really maneuver oh, in a sprint. Oh, because that should have been a good setup to learn to sprint because there was a group. Yeah, but the problem was I was winning, so I didn't really need to sprint. And oh, then, but you weren't racing the people on the course. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's very important. That was my next point anyhow, so that's good. Um, a lot of times they do do that where there's other people on the course, whether they started 30 seconds ahead of you or they're, you know, they are doing, at least here in Ontario, we're doing more where we're doing what Molly just described where you know, they put four groups together, all the age oh, yeah. groups. They'd also like make me go to the front and like work the entire race because I had no idea what I was doing. Right. So like okay. I would just be up there like super proud of myself and then everyone would be like, what are you doing? You're a moron. Right. Um, so tactics. Yeah. Exactly. Did not learn those. So and it takes a long time sometimes to learn that. Um, but the idea is that you should race everyone on the course. Like the ch- turning around to look at number plates is just lunacy to me. 
Um, okay, turning your head at any point <laughs> within 200 meters of the finish, just please stop doing that, period. Well, I don't know. You got to be careful. You said you didn't know how to win races. If these people are winning, maybe they know what they're no, doing. No, you just go ham at 200 meters. Pretend I guess there's someone behind it, you. It's just, yeah, it's hard as a tactic or, or frustrating, not frustrating, but it's it's tricky because if you just get yourself to the finish line, a lot of times that's the best strategy. So if you're chasing someone and you go around them, even if they're not in your category, like, if you see them in the distance, chase them down, go around them, you know, try and race away from them. And, and I think that's just always going to be a great strategy versus being in, you know, no person's land where there's no one around you and you just, you're not racing, right? But if you race everyone, then you're going to start getting some of this. Oh, I learned how to pass someone. I learned how to get away from someone. I learned how to close a gap. I learned how to hold a wheel. Uh, and similarly, you know, someone goes around you, like jump on their wheel and try and hold it for a bit. That'll pull you away from who it's ever behind you. Well, you got frustrated about this in a race recently because someone actually even like asked you what category you were in during the race. Yeah, while well, I was trying, I asked them politely twice to get around and they weren't going to let me around or something if I was in their category. And yeah, it was really odd. But that that happens sometimes. Yeah, PSA, um, don't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a different story. But yeah, the it, it should you should just race, you know, the people in the category. And when there is a big situation like that, and that's sometimes when when I I like the categories the way they are. You know, these expert categories or the sport categories sometimes are like that, where it's a lot of different people, and it's almost a, effectively a mass start. Which you know, your Grand Fondos and your gravel races and most of the running races are just everyone's mixed in and you just run with some random person for the whole day, right? Like that's how all your 50 milers and hundred, like they're not in the female 30 to 39, you know, world championship category, No, and but you're, I... but it's a guy who's 45 and you're run with him most of the race. And it's like, good. Say, I'm never looking ahead and being like, Oh, that's a guy. I'm not going to pass. Yeah. Just on. let him go or, you know, or not try and <laughs> drive him into the ground or, or whatever, right. You choose the tactic but that person isn't invisible. You know, they're not irrelevant. Like I would still just race them because you want to think, you know, especially as most people who are listening are, are thinking about these, you know, again, the hundred and two, they're mostly mass start races. So just use and, and race everyone, right? Get on their wheel. It doesn't matter who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's what gets missed in this category is, you know, okay, well you were third, but you rode alone the entire race. So what's going to happen if you upgrade and now you're in this? But, but that almost doesn't tell the story of, oh, but you were 150th out of 1,000 people. Right. You know, but you didn't ride with the 10 people that finished 30 seconds ahead of you or something like that, right? And that's, I think, what we're looking for. So I think, you know, maybe we try and wrap this up here. Uh, you know, when you're looking at changing the category, the race distance, the level of racing, you're going to from national to provincial, then you just want to think about, you know, what are you going to get out of this? And then what type of training, I think, especially what type of training this is going to motivate, what type of day to day is this going to motivate? And is it what you're looking for day to day? Because that's really everything, right? It's not that one day in, in Leadville or Kansas or whatever. I think that's honestly the best point to end on is, yeah, what does this look like day to day? And yeah can you can you prepare for the goal that you you've set so we'll link to a bunch of those articles and episodes in the show notes if you want to hear more about this head over to consummateathlete.com just search this episode and you'll you'll find it uh, or head over to instagram if you have any questions or thoughts that came out of this episode feel free to shoot us a dm or hit us up on our contact page over on the site and thank you so much for all of the questions we love them they're super fun so please keep them coming all right have a great weekend everybody Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.